Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey, my co conspirators, Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday morning. A uh, busy show today, a lot to get into. Um, we'll go through the SEC tournament bracket. Ole Miss had a win on Saturday at Missouri that essentially punched its ticket to the tournament. Baseball sweeps UAB. We'll kind of look at some potential NCAA tournament scenarios, what's going to happen in Nashville. Um, Ole Miss plays Louisville in baseball in a big midweek series before it starts conference play with Alabama. Um, we'll take a look at some pitching stuff, um, some hitting, and kind of what, what's ahead for that, and then get into some other stuff along the way. Colin, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. It was a... Uh, Good weekend, interesting weekend. Caught some decent weather on Sunday. Um, weather wasn't as bad as most people thought it was going to be on Saturday. I was actually surprised they got the game in, but ended up getting in without too much trouble. But good, kind of a busy week ahead. Headed to Louisville tomorrow and then driving down to Nashville from there on Thursday. And then, depending on how long that is, potentially turning back around and going wherever they get sent on selection Sunday. So. A lot of travel coming up, but excited about it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's the busy time of year. It's it's one of the best times of year if you're you know a college basketball fan because uh, conference tournament starting up, March Madness starts up next week. It's it's definitely a uh, time to look forward to. Yeah, I know this is like the popular hot take on like social media and stuff, but I actually kind of like the conference tournament week. Not better than the NCAA tournament, but like sometimes it offers more because you have, particularly in the smaller leagues, more meaningful games, right. essential playing games, and everybody's playing. Like you're not just getting 64 teams. Like you got everybody playing one more time. Um, I went to this SEC basketball tournament like six times during spring break growing up as a kid. <laughs> um, it's a fun tournament. I mean, we did, I guess, Atlanta twice, Did Nashville a couple times, and New Orleans. The one year we skipped it was that year they had it in Tampa. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think State wound up winning it that year. Maybe so. I was there the year uh, Georgia won it when the Oof. tornado hit the Georgia Dome. I was actually in the building when so that So you happened. got to see Dave Bliss hit the layup with like .8 seconds left? I did, and then the ne- I guess it was the next night or two nights later that you were sitting there, and the way the Georgia Dome worked like back then for that tournament was they would basically just cut off half the building, right. like you know, and they put in some temporary seating, and you would only use half the building. And all of a sudden you kind of heard this loud like popping noise, and from where I was sitting, you could see the other side that they had curtained off, and all of a sudden there was a hole in the side of the building, and that's kind of when you figure like something. Like a literal hole? Yeah, like, like a, no, I'm talking about like a – I mean, I'm, I'm probably exaggerating here because I don't know the dimensions, but like 20, 30-foot-sized hole in the Georgia Dome. Like rain's coming in? From the tornado. It was a tornado. Right. And so the tornado had like taken a – yeah, I mean, basically ripped <laughs> in the hole. And so like – the squ- they still had to finish a game that night. State was playing Alabama yeah. in a game that was either in overtime or about to go yes, into overtime, yeah. but they didn't finish the game that night, if I'm not mistaken. They may have no, finished. they finished that that night, and then Georgia and Kentucky didn't play that night. So the scoreboard starts swaying, and then all of a sudden you start seeing players like jumping over the bench, kind of like running in the tunnel. Because well, like literally the scoreboard was moving back and forth um, from the wind inside the building. It was there, pretty There's pretty a really wild. good documentary on that. Um State hit a three with like eight seconds left to tie the game and send it to overtime, and they say had State not hit that three, that tornado kills people, because or more people because I don't know if it killed anyone or not because people are walking to their cars during it. Instead, people stayed in the arena because State hit the three and it saved probably people's lives. That makes sense because we walked out of there about 
I guess it was probably an hour afterwards, and like it was eerie walking downtown Atlanta back towards your hotel because there's these skyscraper buildings with like gigantic shards of glass like missing from it, yeah. and like windows open and such. And then like the tornado had like gotten shards of glass from some of the skyscrapers on there, and then actually like shot it back through the Georgia Convention Center, which is next door. Goodness. So there's like shards of glass like coming out of the roof of the georgia convention center it was it was wild it was like the apocalypse but uh <laughs> we made it out that, that was definitely an interesting memory but we had to go home after that because they played the tournament at georgia, georgia tech, tech and only like family members and like bands and yeah. like close family was allowed in and that was when georgia won two games in a day yeah, yeah and then uh what they saved what was his name dennis felton is that yeah yeah, yeah they, they saved, saved his, his job, job for a year essentially <laughs> I think it's the lowest SEC tournament, like SEC seed to ever be in the NCAA tournament. I think they were a 14 seed. Yeah, oh, with the team had Sunday out of Gaines and yeah. um, Dave Bliss. <laughs> yeah, and Ole Miss was like on the verge of like they needed that win and possibly one more, and they had a chance of getting in the tournament. And that obviously pretty much, pretty much sunk them. They lose what that was either that had to be Thursday opening round. Yeah, it was opening round, and it was the late night game because I remember it yeah. not not finishing till late. But yeah, wild stuff. So. A lot to get into. I guess we'll start with basketball. Ole Miss wins at Missouri 73-68, a game they trailed by double digits in the second half. Really didn't play well for a lot of it, but kind of found a way down the stretch. Um, Missouri, not a very good team, was playing better, but it was a game that didn't look good for Ole Miss for a while. They were a couple baskets away from really being in deep trouble, but kind of I, I thought Devontae Shuler kind of willed them to victory during stretches in the second half. K.J. Buffin was good, and then, of course, you had the Terrence Davis dunk towards the end that kind of sealed it. Yeah. You know, Missouri got up by 11, but did you? it never felt like Ole Miss was out of the game. It felt like Missouri was just making shots that really Ole Miss couldn't do anything about, and eventually those were going to stop falling. Like, I thought, I thought it was one of Ole Miss's better defensive games of the year. So it – it was a game where, yeah, you found yourself down by 11 with about 16 left, but you knew at some point those shots were going to stop falling for Missouri, and eventually they did. And uh, Ole Miss made a run. Still, they found themselves down three with about three minutes left and, and made the push to uh, get a road win and, I, I would say, solidified NCAA tournament berth. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily that they were out of the game, but if you go into the last six minutes down double digits, like you're, it, that's, that's pretty steep sledding no matter who you're playing. Yeah. And so they were playing with fire there because that was really a game that they would have benefited from kind of hitting them in the mouth early and, and having Missouri play from behind for most of the game for at least you would have felt better about well, they it. They kind of did, you know, in the first half and then just could not score towards the end of the first half. Missouri goes in the locker room up eight. And uh, it was – and then, then, I mean, per usual, almost doesn't come out of the locker room and play well and find themselves down 11. It was uh, it was an eerie situation with about 12 minutes left, and you, you said it. Devontae Shuler was the one that made that team go on Saturday. He comes in with a with a hole in his lip and scores 18 points, and 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 it'll get overlooked. But the defense he played on Geist to end the game was some of the best on ball defense I've seen from a defender this year. Yeah, and he he really just kind of set the tone, like you said, kind of busted lip. Brian Tyree actually said after the game he kind of fed off that energy. I think Shuler said. At halftime, he kind of felt like everyone was flat, and he was going to take over and kind of win the game for him. And he said he, you know, couldn't go back on his word, and he certainly did that. And Bruce Stevens did some good things down the stretch for him. I thought KJ Buffin gave him pretty good minutes. Um, still getting nothing really out of Blake Henson. He played 20 minutes, four points on four shots, Ooh. three rebounds. That's 
they haven't gotten much out of. They've gotten aside from the Tennessee game, they hadn't gotten a lot out of him in two months. Yeah, um, I mean, you yeah. thought that Mississippi <laughs> State game in early January was kind of his coming out party. Yeah, he had the like, flu, and I wonder if that's still because that's hard to get over. But still, I mean, they haven't got anything out of him in a while. Yeah, and I think part of it's just the freshman wall. I think he's kind of lost a little bit. He's certainly not lacking for confidence. Well, he may be lacking for confidence. He is unconscious in terms of when he will shoot the ball. Um, that that doesn't really seem to bother that, but him. But that's a good thing going forward for his career. I think for the most part, yeah, it, it, is, a, it is a good thing. But it's 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 amazing they're in the position they are without getting much out of him because they he kind of – I mean, he basically won that game in Starkville for him in early January, and you thought this was kind of him coming onto the scene, and then you haven't gotten much out of him since. And you're already a thin team, so that's – I mean, what, you're playing seven, eight guys, and you've got one guy that you don't really know what you're going to get on a nightly basis combined with the adventure that is Dominic Olenicek and sometimes <laughs> Bruce Stevens. You're not looking at a lot of sources, I guess, for not just offense, but contributions in general. Is it kind of fair to say, though, that, that Blake's pretty consistent? Or not Blake. Uh, Bruce is pretty consistent at this point? The last month or so, but yeah. you never know. Like I know they've only got potentially one, two, three games left, however many. I, I get that, but I mean... If it goes away again, can you really call it consistent? I mean, he's put it together for about a month. I'll, I'll give him credit for that. The defensive effort's been better. I don't know why it would stop now in the SEC and NCAA tournament, though. Well, I mean, you've got still got a larger sample size of it being very <laughs> erratic and up and down. So, I mean, I don't know. But they, they need to continue to get good minutes out of him because it's changed kind of the dynamic of their team, particularly as Dom has really struggled he just kind of struggles to stay in games where the opposing team has an athletic big that's going to make him move a lot. And it's just, he's a little slower. He's a decent rim protector, but he just doesn't do enough things well to stay on the floor for long stretches. Yeah, Missouri got him out on the perimeter on Saturday and just wore him out. Because um, one thing he is good at is hedging ball screens. But he, I mean, Missouri got him out there on the pick and roll and they scored every single time. Yeah, and it's it's honestly more amazing like that he's been able to do that. Like that Kermit's been able to kind of will this team in the position it is by getting not that not a lot out of Dom at times. Bruce Stevens for a lot of the season was was I'll, I'll go loose cannon. You just didn't really know what you were getting on a nightly basis. And yet the, here they are, 10 and 8, 20 and 11. You know, I don't know who's going to win Coach of the Year. That'll be announced on Tuesday. But Kermit's got a pretty compelling case. This team had no depth, inconsistent post play, and a lot of the time just bad post play. A couple freshmen and three guards, and you know, for them to be sitting at this point, they finished top half of the SEC. They finished over five hundred and the arguably the toughest SEC in a decade, and they're headed to the NCAA tournament. I mean, that Saturday pretty much locked it up, and they yeah. they knew it too. I mean, he told them he asked. Bree and Tyree and Terrence Davis before the game, he ever played in an NCAA tournament playing game, essentially. Of course, they both answered no, but they knew it was at stake, and now now they're going to the dance. Yeah, and, you know, let's just talk about it for a second. In the SEC, who are the candidates for Coach of the Year? Because Will Wade is not. Um, so it's Rick Barnes, Kermit. Is Cal up for it? Yeah, I think yeah, Calipari is because that team's gotten so much better since November. Like they lose the November game against Duke, 
and everybody just kind of writes them off. But they've steadily improved to the point where they're – I don't know if they're going to get a one seed, but they the fact that they're in the conversation after the way they looked at times early in the season, I think he has to be in there. Yeah, I, I don't think – I think Barnes not winning the SEC really hurts him for from that category. I don't necessarily get the Rick Barnes case for Coach of the Year yeah. because I'm not arguing that he hasn't done a great job building that program in a short amount of time, but they were supposed to be good this year. Like This was not surprising. If you want to give it to him, he did win it last year, did he not? Or did Pearl win it? I'm pretty sure Rick Barnes won I it last Barnes year. Won it. So I, I don't necessarily get his case this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I could I, understand Calipari over Kermit. I could get that. I would still vote for I Will Wade, oh, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I would still vote for Will Wade. Man, could you not win with those guys, though? I <laughs> think could you not go sixteen and two with? Sure, but they won the SEC. I mean, they won the SEC in the league in the year they were projected to finish seventh. He got them playing better, particularly I would say mid January on because they they looked. They didn't really look the part of a, a good team, even like a top-four seed at times in the non-conference season. He kind of got them play well together. I would still vote for Will Wade. They won the conference. They weren't even really on the radar to win the conference. They might get a one seed. I doubt it, but outside chance. Yeah. I and mean, I don't know. I would still vote for Will Wade. I don't think that's going to happen because of everything that happened this weekend. Nah. I don't really understand suspending Will Wade. Um, that, that, that was dumb. I get suspending the kid. Because, I mean, the kid may, is ineligible probably right now. But Will Wade can't be ineligible. What does it matter if he's ineligible, though? Their whole well, attitude the entire time has been, let's well, just get this to to April. If we do win an SEC championship or a national championship, like, we don't, like basically what they've been saying by their actions throughout all this is we don't really care. Like, we just kind of want to well, get there does, and our fans remember what happened. So what is suspending and holding the kid out do now? But Well, it, they can't vacate it if the kid doesn't play. Like, if they, they want to vacate every win that LSU has this year, they can do it. But if he doesn't play in the SEC tournament and they win it, and they play, and he doesn't play in the NCAA tournament and they win it, they can't vacate it. So you, you, I, in my, my mind, who cares? What does vacating wins <laughs> do? I mean, everyone saw that happen. I mean, if you're worried about people 80, 90 years down the road looking at a record book and go, wow, LSU went 0-18 or whatever – I mean, or I had an asterisk by it. Like I, I don't under, I don't understand it. I would play them. I would kind of just stick both middle fingers in the air and be like, come at me, <laughs> and just play it out till April. What do you have to lose if they win an SEC championship and get to the Final Four and it gets vacated or whatever? Won't be the first Final nine Four nine months later. It won't be the first or last time it's happened. And who is going to remember? Like, like everyone saw it happen. Who cares? Yeah, people forget that Cal didn't actually play in a title game at Memphis. Yeah, exactly. Calipari <laughs> does not play it in a national title game. Um, well, I mean, he won the one at yeah, Kentucky, Kentucky, but he didn't play one. Exactly. That's my point, though. Like everyone remembers Derrick Rose, everyone remembers the Mario Chalmers shot that sunk um, Calipari. Not. After I believe Rose was the one that missed those two yep. free throws. So, point being, like, why suspend Wade and why hold the kid out? Like, if you're going to go just kind of out guns a blazing, then you got to go it full on. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it points to Joe Oliva, yeah, LSU's AD. He's not very good at his job, and he's proven that time and time again, whether it was the firing of Les Miles and kind of how that went down. I'm not saying he shouldn't have fired him, but then hiring a guy basically based on his accent. <laughs> and, like, yeah. I mean, there's just been countless times where it's kind of proved that he's he's not very good at his job, and this is another example of that because that move to suspend him heading into this weekend 
is opposite of everything they've done or in terms of handling this for two months. Yeah, and it was like someone said on Twitter, it was going like Saturday was going to be one of the coolest moments in LSU's uh, basketball history in probably ten years or so since Glenn Davis was there, and you kind of taint it with suspending Will Wade. Like I, I probably just I probably hold the kid out. I'll be honest because you can beat Vanderbilt without him. Um, but I would not have suspended Wade at that point. I don't. I don't. I'm like you. I don't really see what suspending the head coach accomplishes. Yeah, and it, it's it's. I, I, I don't know. I don't understand because it made what like you said would have. I mean, it was a cool day Saturday. I mean, they beat the hell out of a really bad Vanderbilt team. They win the SEC with kind of an exclamation point. And now it just feels weird because you got an intern coach on the sideline. Then you have Javante Smart, who doesn't play in the game, is being held out, cutting down the nets after, which is hilarious. I wonder if, but this, it's still weird. This Nas Reed injury is, you know, actually an injury, or if he's getting held out too. I just don't understand if they're going to do that and say, hey, Javante Smart, you're being held out. Why would you hide Nas Reed? Well, because Smart is in the Yahoo article. Then... If if that's the case, then what like what else, like like where's the like what are they scared of with Reed? Well, I guess my point is there was no report of Reed getting hurt in practice. There was he was he was on the floor at the end of the game at Florida. Like what? It just seems kind of fishy at this point. Maybe, but I thought that a little bit of the Tremont Waters thing when he missed like two or three games with the flu and then it ended up being fine because there was one of those where he was just at the building chilling, yeah, and Tennessee. didn't play, and that seemed very strange, but. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's certainly possible that they're they're holding out Nasri and the injury's not legit. I don't even I don't remember what injury they cited. I don't either. Um, yeah, I don't know. You hate to see it too because LSU was a really fun team to watch, and I hope that this doesn't like derail them because I kind of want to see, see how they do in March. <laughs> you hate to see it. I do. I want to see them like match up against Duke, like at full strength. Or something like that. Like I kind of want to see because it's a super athletic team. They play in a really fun and sometimes just borderline reckless way, <laughs> and it's fun to watch. And so I kind of want to see them make a deep run in the tournament. Like that's the thing we've gotten over the shock value of all this. Does anyone actually care? The kids are getting paid. Yes. Like yes. It, to answer your question, yes, there are people that care. Okay. <laughs> which which is sickening. But I mean, Twitter on on Friday and Thursday, whenever it was. Uh, acting like this doesn't happen in Kentucky, Kansas, and Duke was just kind of sickening. Which is people claiming fake moral high ground, which is like the <laughs> essence of Twitter. But yeah, I mean, it. it I don't know. I, I I don't think I don't think Will Wade probably coaches again this year. Do you think he coaches again? Oh well, no. I, I'm just like obviously he after this year, this is all over. This is getting blown up. Yeah. But I don't think they'll bring him back this year well, at any point. Art Brawls almost had a job, so he. He might could coach again in the NCAA. Maybe so. No, I'm just talking about, like, does, does LSU bring him back this year? This year? No. Now, if you tell me he's still there next year, I buy it. I don't think he is, but if you tell me that there's a way he's the head coach of LSU next year, I'm not shocked. I just don't see how that's a realistic possibility, particularly if he's actually going to testify on a witness stand in a court of law. Because there is no, there is no covering up or – you know, throwing cell phones in a lake for that. Like you just get up there and plead the fifth. I don't know how the law works, but I feel like that's what I would do. Yeah. So, moving on, Ole Miss <laughs> gets a really important win. It was like we talked about. It, it's kind of a cap. It, it felt like a capstone win because it caps the twenty win season. Yeah. You finish above five hundred in league play, which is a 
remarkable feat. It really is like a remarkable story in a lot of ways, the way Kermit Davis got this team to where it is at this juncture in year one, because this was seen as a multi-year rebuild when he when he took over the job. I think it's fair probably to say, I mean, you may disagree, this is probably his worst team. Like, I think he's going to bring in more depth and talent starting next year. So, um, you know, to get this team to the tournament. Now, now in saying that, this team has completely bought into how he wants them to play. I'm sure he'd like for them to be a little bit better on defense, but there's not much they can do at this point about it. But, yeah, I mean, to... Yeah, I just haven't seen him as a... Like, at Ole Miss, I haven't seen him recruit or as a talent evaluator because, like, like... For all of Andy Kennedy's flaws, like he nailed it with Terrence Davis and Brian Tyree. Obviously, Devontae Shuler, you kind of knew what he was coming out top 100 kid. So, like, I, I don't know what Kermit Davis will be from like a ta- talent evaluation standpoint. So, I don't know if this will, in fact, be his worst team. But just from what he was working with, with the lack of depth, I mean, he basically had three guards and like, I don't mean this as a knock on the kids, but it's like three guards, two freshmen, and a few misfits. Yeah, I mean, D.C. Davis, they've gotten him to give something to them at, at the guard spot. But, but he's like a 5'11", former walk D.C. would be one hell of a player in the Sun Belt, I think. I was going to say the Turner Center. That guy could probably <laughs> roast people in rec league. I think he's a D1 basketball player. It's just no, not I'm at not, this I'm level. No, I'm not saying he's not. Like, I'm, just, I'm talking about that guy, like, when – professional basketball like like whenever he quits playing and he's like late 20s early 30s oh, he's God. going to be wrecking people in <laughs> the turner because you're not necessarily going to like like terrence davis walks in the gym at six foot whatever he is you're like oh man like dc davis walks in and you're like oh this guy like it's probably okay. he's probably got some game but then he <laughs> you know he drops 30 on you or whatever and locks you down defensively and you're like okay like where did this guy play it, i tell you right now which is you know, was not the case last year. There is no question of effort. Now, we were talking about Blake Henson not, not giving them anything, but every single guy on that floor plays hard, which is which is a testament considering how last year went. They do. They, they aren't always good defensively, no. but they, they give pretty good effort for the most part. And it'll be interesting to see how this goes. So I guess this is a good segue to get into the SEC tournament bracket. So the SEC tournament bracket is set. So the first game, it's uh, seven o'clock on Wednesday. Barn burner here, Missouri, Georgia. Whew. I think Georgia decided that win at Florida two weeks was ago enough. was enough for them, and they're going to take it into the off season. So I actually kind of like Missouri to win. Yeah, that. why don't we go through it and pick each game? Okay, you, right, got, you got I got Missouri too. So in the late game on Wednesday, you have Texas A and M Vanderbilt. I uh, Texas A and M shouldn't even have to play the game. Yeah, A and M's going to win that. Like, if I'm A&M, you, you theoretically have to win the tournament to make postseason play. I just play my backups against Vandy and save my legs. So, then you got Thursday, the first, like, full set of games. So, you've got the 1 p.m., which is actually going to be an interesting game, the 8-9 yeah. against Florida-Arkansas. Arkansas is playing well. They are playing better lately. They got all the way to – like, they finished 8-10 and 10 in league play, yep. which is – from where they were at certain points in the year is not bad. Florida really needs to win that game to get in, like to solidify their NCAA tournament changes. Seventeen and fourteen, nine and nine. I've got Arkansas in that game. I think Afford's going to give them too many problems down low. I don't know because I think I think I'm going to go Florida in this. I think Arkansas is going to give them a fight, but I think Florida needs the game worse. Florida is an interesting matchup for some teams. Like they like L, they gave LSU fits. I, I think I'm going to lean Florida here. Okay. 
And then Auburn will play. Auburn will play Missouri. the winner of Missouri Georgia. So we both had that consensus as Missouri Auburn. Auburn Missouri. That would be a bad look if Auburn lost that. I think Missouri could scare them for a little bit, but uh, yeah, Auburn's going to win that game. Ole Miss Alabama in the seven ten. I've got Alabama because they, yeah. they need it more. I, yeah, Alabama really needs that game. It's not a very good matchup for Ole Miss. I actually think Alabama wins that. Do you think Kermit it would be too sad if they lost that game on Thursday? No, I don't think so because they don't really have anything else left to prove. Like the winner's going to play Kentucky at the same slot the home. next night. <laughs> so, I mean, they're not going to like try to lose the game. No, or anything, you try to but win he's it. just not going to be. I, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world if Ole Miss didn't win that game. I don't think it's a good matchup. I think Alabama is super desperate. I don't know if Alabama is going to make the tournament as it's 17-14 and 8-10. and 10. Yeah, If you offered Kermit right now, hey, you're going to come home healthy, he'd take that without caring about a result. What does Alabama have to do? They're going to have to beat Kentucky. They've got to beat – well, beating Ole Miss would really help because Ole Miss would be a Tier 1 win. Beating Kentucky would put you in. Um, beating Ole Miss would – would put you in and sweating, but you know, considering you know bid stealers and everything, uh, going two and zero would lock up a bid for them. So the last game Thursday would be Mississippi State and the winner of Texas A and M Vanderbilt. We had that as Texas A and M. So Mississippi State Texas A and M. So then it'd be LSU, and then you have Florida, and I have Arkansas. Yeah, so not a great matchup for A and M there. Although they've been playing decent basketball, State will win that. Yeah, State just beat them on Saturday, pretty good, if I remember right. So the four teams with the double buy into the corner finals on Friday are LSU, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Tennessee. One of those things is not like the others. <laughs> One of them doesn't but, belong. Yeah. <laughs> South Carolina is a really interesting case. They're sixteen and fifteen, and they're eleven finished eleven and seven in league play. Honestly, with what Frank Martin did throughout the injuries they had last year, he probably has a decent case for coach. Yeah, he won't win it, but but that team also, if they don't just not show up in the non conference, is safely in the tournament. Like you can't have the losses they had in the non conference. The Wyoming one's bad, and we've been over some of this before. Some of it's injuries. Some of it was brutal scheduling. Yeah, yeah. The 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 I mean, it's the Radford and the Wyoming losses, really. I know Radford's a decent and team. And losing to Clemson at home doesn't help. Yeah. Wyoming is like they're horrible. seven or eight win team. You can't really have that kind of loss. They're like 300 so, in KP. So the first game on Friday, if we're correct, well, you had Florida, I had Arkansas. So it's LSU and either Florida or Arkansas. LSU, I think, will win either way. Although, I've got, I've Florida's got, a really bad matchup for LSU. See, so that if Florida does beat Arkansas on Thursday, Florida-LSU – as the first game on Friday could actually be a lot of fun. I've got Arkansas beating LSU because I think that, that holding Smart out, Reed suspended. Arkansas beat them in Baton Rouge. They took them to overtime in Fayetteville. That's not a good matchup for LSU. And I don't think LSU's got a whole heck of a lot to play for. I'd probably go LSU in that game if it's Arkansas. I'd probably still go LSU if it ends up being Florida. But it would be a. I would kind of rather see LSU Florida again. That was a fun ending to that game. Yeah. And they played two club. They went two overtime games. Yep. And Florida won one of them, yeah, right, in Baton, Baton Rouge. Rouge. Yeah. So then next you're going to have, in all likelihood, Auburn, South Carolina, unless Missouri or Georgia pulls the upset over Auburn. Auburn, South Carolina, actually kind of – I think Frank Martin's going to pull Bruce Pearl's pants down. <laughs> I've got, I've I got, think South Carolina might win that. I've got Auburn just because I don't – I think Auburn's playing at a high level right now. South Carolina is going to do something weird in this tournament that's going to make the committee like kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> and I don't know if it's getting to Saturday or getting to Sunday, but that's just kind of what it feels like. So I'll actually go South Carolina advancing okay. to the semis. Um, then you've got Kentucky, and we both picked Alabama Kentucky. over Ole Miss. 
So, I mean, I don't – yeah, either way. Kentucky's going to beat both those teams. And then you'd have, in all likelihood, State, Tennessee in the nightcap. Tennessee. Tennessee will win that. So now you're looking at a semifinal of – well, our top part of the bracket looks quite different. <laughs> but I have LSU, South Carolina. You'll have Arkansas, Auburn yeah. in the semis. I'm going Arkansas again. I think Arkansas plays in the final because I think at this point Auburn's legs give out from all the three-point shooting. I'm going to go LSU over okay. South Carolina, and then you'll have Kentucky, Tennessee, in a late afternoon Saturday thing, which is like one of the most like classic SEC tournament matchups of all time. I, I would venture to say that we are getting Kentucky and Tennessee, and we might get some help to get it, but I think that's happening. Yeah, and that's going to be a lot of fun because that's one of those where half the arena is going to be blue, maybe three quarters, yeah, three fourths, and then half. So I don't know, but Tennessee, oh, Tennessee actually tr- under. Like undercover travels well, well, wherever oh, the sure, tournament yeah. is, and having it in Nashville, that's going to be a wild environment. That's going to be a heck of a lot of fun, to be honest, if you're there for that. Yeah, I think we're um, getting that too. That'll be a heck of a game. And then you have the championship on Sunday. Um, I think it's going to end up being Tennessee and LSU again. Or actually, I'm going to go to. I want to go LSU, Kentucky. I yeah. think Kentucky will beat Tennessee in that Saturday matchup in the semifinals. So. I guess going through it real quick, the team with the most to gain in the SEC tournament is Ooh. who? It's Alabama or Florida, right? It's one of those because Florida's not as not safe right now. That's um, kind of a bad draw for Florida too, getting Arkansas because that win's not going to do a ton on a neutral floor. It's not a tier one win. Arkansas, Alabama gets a little lucky; they get Ole Miss uh, in a tier one opportunity. I think it's probably Florida because I think Florida's chances of getting in the NCAA tournament are a lot more realistic than Alabama. Well, I mean, Lenardi has them as the last team out. I mean, it's I think Alabama or Florida. Alabama. Florida's like one of the last four in. So, I mean, it, those two teams are the ones to uh, watch going forward. Everybody else's fate's kind of sealed at this point. The team, I guess Arkansas could, if they get hot like I project them to, get a, a back on the bubble, but it'd be tough. I'll go Florida as the team with the most to yeah, gain. Yeah, Florida. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with Florida, yeah. The team with that. the least amount to gain is, <laughs> honestly, you can make Ole an Miss. argument for Ole Miss. Ole Miss or State, right? Because they're not really – Ole Miss really, barring like winning two games, you're not moving up the seed line. Like LSU, Kentucky, Tennessee still fighting for seeding, maybe a one seed at a really outside chance at it. You never know. Yeah, Ole Miss, I mean, Ole Miss doesn't really have anything to do here. It's Ole Miss, Auburn, and State for the least game because I don't know what those teams gain. I think State and Auburn. I mean, I think State and Auburn with a deeper run could bump up into a six, maybe I mean, somewhere between the five to seven range, depending on how things shakes out. I don't know yeah. if they can go as far as the five, but I don't think Ole Miss is going to move anywhere. Like, I don't think they could. Well, if they, they beat Kentucky, I sure, mean. but like. The amount of energy you have to exert to do that versus the reward. And they're going to get Reed Travis back. I don't know how Ole Miss beats Kentucky. So, it actually, that'll be a wild SEC tournament, to be honest. Like, some years the SEC tournament's kind of like a dud. A, yeah, I mean, it is kind of a dud because not a lot of good teams or not a lot to gain from some teams. But this one is actually going to be, I think, a really fun SEC tournament. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, you got a lot of good teams. you got two teams in Florida and Bama that are fighting to get in. So it'll be interesting for sure. Um, you know, starting Wednesday. Wednesday actually doesn't isn't the first day. That day doesn't count. But all the all four of those teams are horrible. So I guess we'll have more on that later this week. But transitioning to baseball, Ole Miss sweeps UAB um, in a weekend that was honestly like what they made nine. Si- 
nine total. I think nine or ten total errors, but they made six errors in the first inning. Yeah, all combined. When, you, all throughout when the that's the inning you don't want errors because everybody's trying to get in and get you know a feel for it. Your pitcher's trying to get on the mound and get in a rhythm, and you're just booting the ball all, all over the place on on in the first inning of games this weekend. Yes, they had three on the Friday game. They had three errors in the first inning. Will Etheridge, what it leads to a. Well, and, and we want to be technical about it. Just because you can't assume a double play is the only reason it wasn't four. Yeah, it was because Will Etheridge bobbles a would-be inning in the double play ball. It ends up leading to three runs for UAB in the first. Ole Miss quickly rectifies that with a nine-run second inning <laughs> that kind of blew the game open. Um, Will Etheridge was all right. I don't think fine. it was his best outing. It was his worst outing of the year. Yeah, 76 pitches. He makes it, what? Five innings. Five innings. He didn't have his slaughter. No, he wasn't on a pitch count, but I think they probably would have let him go like later if they really wanted to, but really no, not much to see there. He gives up four total runs, one earned, one strikeout, two walks. Not his best swing and miss stuff, 76 pitches, 47 strikes. Kind of just very workmanlike. Yeah, and, and that's what Ole Miss is going to have to get out of him. I think he's got the potential to be a swing and miss guy when he has a slider. But, uh, you know, he kind of went out there and competed without without a lot of off-speed stuff on, on Friday and gave Ole Miss a chance to stay in the contest. And like you said, Ole Miss blows it open in the second. The Wolfen kind of makes it a little bit closer than it needed to be at the end. But, yeah, it, it was a solid – after the first inning, it was a solid Friday night performance. The story of the weekend was really Zach Phillips on yeah. Saturday. So he starts off, he gives up a run in the first inning. Um, unearned. Yeah, unearned. And then another in the third. And it, you're kind of thinking, like, okay, like this is it for him. And they're like, you, I mean, they're going to make a change. He's struggling again. And then he retires 10 of the last 11 batters. He ends up going seven innings, gives up one unearned run, scatters six hits, seven strikeouts, and one walk. Said he found basically a new. Basically found a different way to throw his slider after the game and like yeah. kind of had a renaissance with with that. And obviously it made a difference. I don't necessarily know like how directly that correlated, but by far his best start of the year, and I think he's done enough to where he's going to start next weekend. Yeah, I don't know what Ole Miss does because I don't think you can justify taking him out of the rotation because uh, secret was he was pretty good against Long Beach too. And so he's getting better. I don't, I don't think you can justify taking him out of the rotation at this point. I'm not sure I'm necessarily convinced that this is what the rotation looks like in late April or May, but in I, a perfect world, Mike Bianco would prefer it stay this way because of the way the bullpen rolls well, are kind of fleshing themselves out. Like in an ideal situation, I think he'd rather have Phillips stay on Saturday. Well, I'm not so sh- I'm not so sure at this point that if uh, Nikhazy's not the Sunday guy and you move Hogland to the midweeks. Maybe so, but I, I guess from Zach Phillips' yeah. perspective, the easiest thing for Bianca would be him to be good there. I'm not necessarily sure that's the case. Honestly, yeah, I mean, the Hoagland could change on Sunday. I think they're going to leave Hoagland at Sunday, and, and barring something just really, really that bad. That was weird how quickly he got pulled yesterday. Though. Well, it was so, so we'll get, yeah, so we'll get to that. He, he, so he, so Phillips goes seven innings. Uh, Tyler Myers comes in the last two innings. Uh, he really wasn't that. Sharp. No. Gives up two runs, three hits. The game was out of control at that point. Ole Miss won the Saturday game 13-4. to The game lasted like nine hours. Um, <laughs> well, it like didn't start to like eight. Yeah, it didn't start to like – yeah, so at 7.45, first pitch after they moved it once. Not not once, but twice because of rain. Uh, I'm honestly, a little not lucky to get the game in, but sure, certainly very fortunate that it, the weather worked out the way it did. If it wasn't on TV, did it even happen? Because you couldn't watch the game. Um. 
Yeah, I, I took the day off on yeah, Saturday, no, I so did, actually, I, I, I was not. I wasn't either. Yeah, I was not working this game, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Phillips, I, I, I watched it, but was not, not covering it, I guess. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I thought Phillips was the story of the weekend because I thought this was going to be kind of the final nail in the coffin. They make a change heading into next weekend in SEC play, but now it's looked like he's done enough. And you want to talk about being on the like close to falling off the cl- proverbial cliff. I mean, he was right there early. Like, you're thinking, well, man, this is kind of it. And then saves himself by retiring 10 of the last 11 hitters he faced. I mean, if the if things go bad in the third and he gives up two or three more runs, you're talking about an entirely different story. You're talking about Doug Nikhazy starting Saturday. Right. And so it's interesting because Phillips has gotten better in his last two starts, but, man, he's been close to playing his way out of it. Yeah, and – I, I like I, like you said I wasn't there so I don't know what the fastball velocities look like. That was still one, a little down. That needs to get back because um, I think that's what you know helped him out with uh, in, in the spring or before the season was that he was able to throw that fastball in there 91, 92 miles an hour. Um, he was good and, and Ole Miss needed him to be good and he's going to stay in the rotation I would think just frankly because I don't know what else they would do at this point. Um, do you expect Jordan Fowler and Doug Nikhazy Tuesday and Wednesday? Okay, so we get so I don't know. So we'll get to the – I guess the Sunday game doesn't really have any direct correlation on this, but we'll go Sunday. To what you brought up earlier, so you get there, you get to the Sunday game, Ole Miss wins a 2-1 game that was really I, – I don't know if you call it well-pitched, but it was a defensive struggle. I mean, like, like Ole Miss didn't really do much off their starter. Uh, UAB has like nine guys named Tanner. Yeah, but uh, that was UAB's ace too. He had the best numbers coming into the game. Yeah, you get, uh, so Tanner Ross goes five innings. Ole Miss doesn't score a run on him. Scatters four hits, and then Mike Bianco had a really quick hook on Gunnar Hoagland. Uh, so Hoagland gives up a solo home run in the fourth. Yeah. Um, then after the solo home run, gives up a pair of singles, kind of sandwiched in between a lineout. So there's two on one out. UAB's up one nothing, and Bianco pulls him. So he only goes three point three and a third, gives up a run on four hits with one strikeout, no walks, and threw sixty three pitches. Bianco said a lot of it was because they did have the uh, the bullpen essentially fully intact. Like I mean, they had a, he had a lot of guys. I think he wanted to get in a pitch. He had a completely rested pin. Um, he thought Hoagland's command wasn't necessarily there. He said he was up in the zone in a game like that. Where I think Mike knew off like runs would be a little bit harder to come by with the way UAB UAB's kid was throwing. So it was an un- uncharacteristically quick hook, but I understand why he did it. Yeah, uh, I mean, and he, yeah, like you said, he was up in the zone. Ole Miss wasn't—I don't want to say Ole Miss wasn't swinging the bats well because I think they had a lot of bad luck on Sunday too. So, but yeah, you had you had to hold the game at one, and and man, Connor Green and Austin Miller at this point have been nails for Ole Miss. I don't. Yeah. So, how, do you know how many runners Connor Green is stranded this uh, year? I haven't. I'll go look that up today because somebody else mentioned that to me today because he is coming with some her- inherited runners and just left them there. Yeah. So. Does it, what he cut was it the fifth or the sixth that he gets him out of the bases loaded jam? I believe it was the sixth. I think it was the sixth. So Christ throws the eighth and ninth. Yeah. So Green comes in, um, in relief of Austin Miller, who two point one innings of hitless relief, but he, he he hits two guys and walks one in the sixth inning, loads the bases. Connor Green comes in, induces kind of a weak little ground ball to third, and gets him out of it. I mean, he's just come in in situation after situation and gotten Ole Miss out of some messes and really made it look kind of seamless. Yeah, and you know he's throwing strikes. I wrote about that this 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 morning. His his kryptonite his first three years was his inability to throw strikes. Frankly, he had a lot of walks, 
And uh, he's always been a guy that can run it past guys. That was a lot of high strikeout percentage. But he, he is in the zone right now. He hasn't given up a free pass, a walk, or a hit-by-pitch this year. And his stuff is good enough to get guys out consistently at this level. So his his ability to throw strikes is is really giving him a, a role with his bullpen. And that's just frankly what he's doing is he's pounding the strike zone and making guys hit pretty, pretty good stuff, and, and they're just not able to do it right now. And so then they get to the eighth, and I thought this was really interesting because a lot of times – like. Bianco is in no way like opposed to lefty righty, but I thought the way he handled the eighth was interesting because he doesn't always do it like this. So he comes in and he Nikesi has the eighth inning, and you think he's getting the eighth, and Crazy's up for the ninth. But Nikesi faces the two straight left-handed hitters or whatever, and then he goes to Crazy for the last five outs. Yeah, and and that was. That was big for Caracci to get that kind of a performance. You know, obviously he had, he had not had the um, not had the success that he probably had hoped for going into the year. I thought the velo was good, but like you said, he goes into Casey there to go left on left, and and he I think walks a guy after getting an out. So it was it was a really good uh, performance by the back end of the bullpen. It's something that Ole Miss had become accustomed to after last year. So it was nice to see you know Caracci come out with high velo, uh, throwing the strikes, throwing the strikes that he did, uh, pumping the breaking ball in the strike zone. Yeah, so that's going to have to keep coming along because I don't think he trusts his breaking ball at all. He was really really fastball heavy. I think he threw one breaking ball to like the second or third hitter he faced maybe in the eighth inning. Yeah, and spiked it in the dirt but he really just like the fastball was enough to get him through this one the velocity was back up I think he got his confidence back up a little bit but you I, I don't know it, it's inter- it'll be interesting to watch him search for the command of the breaking ball because I don't think he really trusts it right now yeah I mean he threw enough strikes with it but the fastball has always been what what's carried him and it's what carried him on Sunday um and you know he he was really good on Sunday so if he's able to throw that breaking ball into the strike zone even more than he did on Sunday, he's going to be really tough. Um, so, yeah, going forward, I think he's fine. I think he's going to be Ole Miss's closer, and Ole Miss is going to call him in a late-game situation. So that's a big plus for him to have the success that he did on Sunday. So if the bullpen goes five and two-thirds, scoreless carries Ole Miss to a 2-1 victory and a sweep, and now they head to Louisville for a really interesting two-game series before SEC play Louisville. Um, I don't have the D1 baseball rankings this morning in front of me, but Louisville, I think, was eighth going into the week, maybe? Oh, uh, let's see. About to they were a top, top, uh, top ten team. They lost a game this weekend to somebody. I can't remember who. Louisville was number eight going into the weekend, played Boston College. They won on Sunday. Let's see. On Saturday, they... This is a great pod. Let's this is what they call bad radio. <laughs> I can't find what they did on Saturday. They were number eight going into the uh, D1 scoreboard. Is not doing me. Okay, they they won on Saturday. I'm, I'm guessing they swept Boston College now that I look at it. Yes, they swept Boston College. So, didn't give up a run on Friday or Saturday. I don't know who pitches for Ole Miss. I think Caleb Hill probably gets one of the games. Maybe or actually, I don't know. Like it, so, I thought it was Caleb Hill when Nikhazy came in yesterday, but they only faces two batters. Louisville's out number seven, by the way. Ole Miss number nine. So, a really interesting two game series um, before Ole Miss gets into conference play. So, I don't know. So, maybe you go Jordan Fowler and Doug Nikhazy. Maybe you could go Fowler, Caleb Hill, or you could well, go. 
I go Nikhazy first if I'm going to go him because I need him ready for the weekend. As, as ready as he can be if I'm going to start him. Yeah, and so it's probably Nikhazy Tuesday and Fowler Wednesday. That's what I would think. No, I mean, we don't know that, but that's what I would think. I think they reversed it last week because they wanted a KZ against East Carolina. I wonder if the opponent changes anything because they haven't gotten anything out of Fowler. No, I mean, but who else do you throw? You can throw your boy Maxwell, I guess. Yeah, I don't think Mike wants that. I think he wants him for the weekend. Yeah, he was getting loose yesterday when crazy. Yeah, and then Rhino Linick was getting loose there for a second. That was going to I think happen. he was just trolling people. I don't know. Um, I, I think he wants to give Olenek that, that – you know, shot, but it's kind of been hard lately. Yeah, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, like you think at some point Caleb Hill's going to get a midweek start? Yeah, I mean, stuff's too good to sit on the bench. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think he'll have a roll out of the bullpen sometimes on the weekend too. I just you figure. I mean, this is their second straight five game week. So what you're eating forty five innings a week as well, opposed to yeah. thirty six. Yeah. So like, and he's got to come from somewhere. Yeah, I mean that—that's really where Olenek's going to come in. Sometimes is when some of these longer weeks where he's going to need to eat up a couple innings to kind of—I mean, not out of necessity relieve the bullpen, but it would certainly help a lot. Yeah, I think it's kind of evident though that Mike wants to pitch him in the back end of games, which is smart because you don't want to burn the bull, the uh, DH in the fifth inning. Yeah, you have to be very careful when you put him in. Yeah. Now the only question is, I, the only way you can save yourself doing that is to make Ryan Olenek the DH before the game if you know you're going to pitch him um, and just kind of set everything else differently. Because if he's the DH before the game, you don't lose the DH, obviously, if he comes in to pitch. Yes, that's about all we got on the Ole Miss front. Um, we'll have coverage <laughs> for that. Um, I'll be in Louisville. You'll be in Louisville, too, yeah. won't you? So we'll both be in Louisville, and then I'm heading down to Nashville. Um, yeah, so that's – It'll be a busy week. Um, I'm not sure about a Wednesday pod yet. We're still trying to work that out because we'll both be on the road. We'll more than likely have something for Friday as well. Um, from an Ole Miss standpoint, that's really about it. There wasn't a whole lot of other news over the weekend, too. Other, I mean, you had the Antonio Brown thing. So that's a, what a wild thing there is. So he has a couple <laughs> years left on his contract. Basically, like, skips work, throws a tantrum, and gets more money out of it in a new team. I like that. I like that. Use your leverage. I mean, he's not going to be ever be able. Is that even leverage though? Like you can't. Like that's just not how the world works. To be completely honest, like at what, like at what point are you going to get with a guy that has like three or four years left on his deal that just decides, screw this, I want more money. Like, well, I mean, that's not really how contracts work. Agreed, but you always have the threat to retire. Like, like Brown basically said, I don't need this money. I can retire. Yeah, now, I'm not trying to defend Antonio Brown here. It just. I don't know if they're going to have to find – so th- this may like this is almost very NBA-like because you don't yeah. see this in the NFL very often because the owners kind of have more power than NBA owners do where the players are very enabled and empowered in the NBA, which is good for the most part, but you're kind of seeing it with Anthony Davis too in the NBA. It's like particularly basketball owners are going to have to find a way to get some of that power back in the sense that like, – like if you're a small franchise, you can't have your – like. Like your star player with like two and a half years left on his contract, but like, screw this, I want to be traded. Like it's <laughs> not really how things work. I don't know. We're getting off topic here, but I, I thought I thought that was interesting because like I've never really seen that in the NFL where you have a guy with like, like he basically just spoke him like spoke the fact that he was a free agent into existence. Like he was not a free agent at all, but he just kept saying it until people thought it was a fact, which is just wild to me. Well, he was not going back to Pittsburgh, so that was that was readily apparent. Uh, I did kind of I kind of like how it fell through with uh, Buffalo because he frankly didn't want to go to Buffalo and told him that he wasn't going to play in Buffalo. 
Yeah, and so like I mean that that's that's the part to me that's flexing your leverage. The other part is just kind of ridiculousness to me. Like seriously, I mean he used to kept talking. About, he would go. He did interview. He did an interview with ESPN's Jeff Darlington talking about how he wanted new money. It's like you're not a free agent. Like that's not well, really how it. this works. Yeah, and then I <laughs> guess more power to him. He got Oak, the money. Oakland traded Zamari Cooper and uh, God, what's the guy for the Bears? Mac, Khalil Mack. And, yeah, and gets Antonio Brown and in return really and. Man, they don't have they don't Oakland's still gonna suck even with Antonio Brown. Yeah, but with them transitioning to Vegas, like at least they'll have like if they do decide to stick around with Carr, like when they do go to Vegas, you'll kinda have two like guys to put on billboards. Well, I which I think enough. is part of that. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, not a whole lot going on in the outside like outside of college hoops this weekend. It didn't seem like the NBA's kinda hitting the Lakers still suck. They do. They're not even really hiding tanking now. They're shutting down Brandon Lonto. Ingram with an orange uh, an arm injury for the rest of the year that yeah, doesn't okay. seem quite <laughs> legit. Lonzo probably not coming back. Should, like managing LeBron's minutes, I think it's actually a smart play if they can get into the lottery and like maybe add a piece or it's not even necessarily add a piece if they can get like halfway deep in the lottery and make like the first round pick like a top you know ten eleven pick. Then they can turn. They'll at least acquire some trade capital out of it because they're going to flip the pick more than likely. Yeah, you know we talked last week about you know they're going to fire Luke Walton and he's not going to have problems finding a job. And while I agree with that, I still think it's you, you've got to fire Luke Walton. This team is not acceptable from a uh, result standpoint to have the best player in the world on it. It's not necessarily his fault though because he's not going to have any problem finding work anywhere he's else. Not but when this... he gets fired, he's going to get he's, he could have the UCLA job. He could get any job he wants. LeBron James is what's held the team hostage. Agreed, agreed. But I mean, man, you, it's it's a really bad look for everybody kind of involved right now. Well, I mean, when you. What I, to me, what happened was is when he LeBron tries to trade half the team before the trade deadline, they come back and they're like, "I'm not giving effort for this dude." So to me, it's been taken out of Walton hands because this wasn't the team he was hired to coach. He was hired to coach a young, a team with a young nucleus and kind of build off that. And then towards the end of last year, they were good and they were building off of it. Like Lonzo was kind of coming into his own. Brand, um, Brandon Ingham was kind of you didn't really know what he was yet. And then Kuzma was really good. And then LeBron comes and just changes everything because LeBron James is going to want his coach in there. There are already talking about throwing massive money at Ty Lue oh, dear God. to go coach them. So it's really just, in my opinion, it's been taking, taking, taken out of Luke Walton's hands. Like he's just kind of a lame duck at this point. I don't. Think if I were him, I'd be pumped to get fired. <laughs> no, have serious. to pay me. Well, no, the, he's going to get any kind of job he wants, whether it's an NBA job or a college job. UCLA is fascinating now that you mentioned. Yeah, I know. I think that's a really interesting option. But he's going to get any kind of NBA job he wants because I think he's proven to be a good coach. And, and and that I think it's just been taking out of his hands. So if you're him, why would you not want to get fired? You're going to get paid a little bit, to, you know, as far as a buyout, and you don't have to deal with this crap. Yeah, no. If I'm him, I'm not in LA next year, regardless. Well, not, I might be in LA. I'm not coaching the Lakers and LeBron James. Um, you know, someone I can't remember who I saw floated the idea of the Lakers trading LeBron James, and I don't know if that's the worst idea in the world. I, I mean, it's, I don't think that's a, on the table until they whiff on Anthony Davis. If they Fair don't enough. get Anthony Davis, then. Yeah, I mean, I think anything's on the table there, which would be wild. I, w- I would, LeBron in year seventeen, eighteen, gets traded, which is just kind <laughs> of crazy. But should be an interesting NBA playoffs. The Lakers will probably not be a part that. of it, but yeah, we are getting close. A couple weeks out, so we'll be back at it possibly Wednesday, definitely on Friday. We'll be traveling on the road. We appreciate y'all listening, and we'll see y'all then. A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. Media Production.